So today, as we come into God's word, what are you going to learn? What is God going to say to you? And of course, what will you do? So when you leave here today, what's it, how's it going to affect your life and how you're going to do life for Jesus? So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we can come into your house of praise this morning. Forever you are faithful. And we thank you for that faithfulness and the strength that you have, that you give to us each and every day. Bless us as we come into your word right now. And Lord, I just pray that um, what I share this morning will, will be from you. And Lord, that we will be able to apply it in our lives and be refreshed in your, in your word, in your spirit, and in the ambassadorship that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning's message is entitled Thirsty. Sort of gives a big hint when they're out in the desert looking for water. And um, this morning, I'd uh, just like to kick off a little bit with a question around this. What is the Bible about? What is the Bible about? It's a common and an important question. And we may come up with several answers, each one of us, hopefully some of them right. But I'd like to share with you a definition I came across several years ago. And I've actually printed it out, so if after you hear it this morning, if you're interested in a copy of it, uh, Ros and Dean at the Welcome Connect counter will have a, a couple of these type of printouts, so you can take it home and, uh, and uh, have that on your fridge or just as a reflection. But I think it's a great one, and I'd love to share it with you this morning. And it will be up on the screen, so as I read it, you can follow along with me. Okay. So what is the Bible about? This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveller's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its ends. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labour, and condemns all who trifle with its holy contents. This volume is the word of God. Amen to that, hey. What wonderful words of description, I believe. The redemptive story of God from creation to glorification. It is about Jesus, the central character in the redemptive story that we will see and do see. It's the overwhelming revelation of God's provision. It is, certainly, in the Old Testament, the recurring doubt and disbelief of a people and the unrelenting Miraculous provision for God's people. So along the way, as we've probably read, well, we have read already, these stories of grumbling and testing teach us something of ourselves, I believe, and our nature. 
our predisposition toward disbelief, to pursue help in the wrong places. But they also give us the better place to look. So it is just such a story that we have heard in our Bible reading that Claire shared this morning. A parched land, complaints and water flowing from a beaten rock. Why these old stories? What good are they for the modern Christian believer? The Apostle Paul, in calling the church of Corinth away from wrong thinking and worse living, said this in 1 Corinthians 10, 1-7. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So, from today's message, as I share it with you, my hope is that we would see what it means to trust God as we unpack this passage. The provision of Christ and not fall into idolatry. The worship, I guess, of lesser things. The evil desired, living to eat, drink and play. That we would see Jesus as the treasure that he is that Marcus shared around communion this morning. The history of Israel's deliverance is the story of our own salvation in Christ. In this passage today, we're going to see three things. And I'll put them up on the screen for you. The first one is a difficult situation. Then there is the combative response of the people. And then there is a humble, gracious miracle. So in today's passage we can see, also I want to throw another three things, so so it's not a six-point sermon, it's only going to be 3.1. But these are the main three that I want you to focus on. That just gives you context. There's a difficult situation, combative response, and a miraculous, uh, gracious miracle. So in today's passage we can see there are also three movements, three movements that we, in the modern New Testament, can take from the ancient Old Testament to help shore up our foundations, our walls, and our roof in Christ. Our all, if you like, as we do life as followers of Jesus. So what are they? There's three movements that are happening in this passage. The first one is trouble. Next one is trial. And the next one is treasure. So let's look at the first one. And the first one we're going to look at is trouble. So after last week, Steve shared with us, out in the desert, complaining, no food, etc., And once again, there is trouble in the desert. We have been following Israel's freedom from captivity in Egypt. There's a bit of a story here. The grand escape by God's hand is what we've been following. And now the journey to the promised land has begun and the camp has already come up against obstacles, mostly grumbling stomachs and dry mouths. And today we see that out in the wilderness, they're, they're out of water. Following God's direction, this place that he has them that he's ended up at, is out of water. 
So for the purpose of their sanctification, God had led them away from the place of provision to, that's with the Egyptians, how everything was provided, to a place where there was nothing to drink. So where do they end up? Verse 1, Claire read to us, a place called Rephidim, Rephidim, something like that. Anyway, it's resting place is what it means. And you know what? They're there, they're thirsty. Resting place. It's not really living up to its name here in their mind. Their prophet, their leader, has brought them here. Moses had led them to Rephidim, not because he knew where the water was, but because that is where God told him to go. For those of you that think in spiritual terms, you have probably had a time of life where this has been your personal experience as well, stepping into something you believe the Lord called you to and looking around and, and seeing no water. It's pretty dry. No refreshment, just sand. It's not what you expected. Just the regular life of toodling along and uh, arriving somewhere, place or situation, and it's not what you expected or hoped for. Does anyone relate to that? I know I do. I, when I moved from Mackay down to Fernvale, I had about 18 months of no work. And I thought, this was not supposed to be like this. This was pretty dry. But it's not only just the individual can experience this as well, but the church can experience this as well. Seasons of movement, happenings, progress, you know, some highs, some greats, some following, and then all of a sudden you're wondering where the water is. This is what Israel is experiencing. And you know what? I don't care how holy you are, how mature or fit you are, if you don't have water, you are in trouble. But what I want to point out this morning from this passage is it is the Israelites' response to the situation that makes matters worse. They quarrel with Moses. They attack him and demand that he gives them water. Verse 2, give, give us water. Give them what they want. They're just asking. And why do you test the Lord? It is not God testing the people, but the other way around. It could be also said of the Israelites, why do you presume upon his provision as if you were in charge? Just have a think about that. That's where their posture is. This is not a pleasant petition before Moses. This is aggressive, commanding. And in the heat of Rephidim, the worst of Israel is now starting to show itself. And the word was used last week. And it is that same word again, complaint. Accusation. Why did you bring us here to kill us? The same grumbling that we had witnessed in chapter 16, verse 3, when they said, wouldn't it have been better to be in Egypt? In the trouble, guess what? They forget. And as mere sentences apart in the story, can't be that much time, I believe, God's provision for them right on time, what do they get? Meat and manna. Chapter 16, and his protection of them from harm in Exodus. They were slaves, you know. And then remember the 10th plague. And then, of course, the Passover. They were free. And then what happened next? Crossing the Red Sea. They were cornered by the Egyptian army. It parted. Away they went. That's chapter 14. There's plenty of evidence that God will provide for them and that he will protect them, even that he is with them 
guiding them. But here we are, chapter 17, complaining again. God's people were suffering, I believe, from a kind of spiritual amnesia. They had a memory problem, memory trouble. Their memory trouble made them forget, I believe, some things. So what did they forget? I want to put them up on the screen. They forgot the provision. They forgot the protection. And they forgot the presence of God. They really did. And as a result, they violently complained. God, this isn't ideal, you know. This isn't good enough. Demanding. This just won't do. Oh, when you look back at what God's done for them, how do they get to that place? But you know what? What is sadly true for many of us, including me, is that I can hear my voice making these demands as well at times. Brought to the place advertised here as the resting place. I can't find what I'm looking for and begin to look at other places when you're in that space at times. And you know what? Paul is a good bloke. He warned us many times in the New Testament of things such as the the idolatry of success, idolatry of influence, idolatry of sex, approval for people, etc., etc. And in addition to Paul's writings, I often see the numbing that goes with the constant engagement that we have in this Western world on social media as if what we have, experience, we have experienced of God no longer quenches our thoughts, so we look for other things. Our posture of heart is not in where God's provision is and his treasure. So whatever the reason for our discontent at times, what it really shows is that we are not satisfied with what God has given us. So here we are, this is Israel, and their trouble, you know what here? In this passage, it turns to trial with God on the stand, facing accusation. The demand for his provision, the demand or the denial, sorry, of his protection and the doubting of his presence. So we're moving into this space that God is now on trial. So let's have a look at that. Moses cries out to God. In verse 4, what shall I do with these people that are ready to stone me? So aggressive, Moses fears death at their hands. And God's response is why we can see this as a trial. So what happens? Let's have a look. He tells Moses, here's the thing, he tells Moses to go beyond the camp to the edge and to bring some of the elders of Israel with him. That's important. These elders are those that judge the people that hear and decide conflicts, quarrels, cases. That's what their role was back then. Eventually in the story of Israel, these men will sit at the gates of cities, as time goes, goes on, ready to judge and help people decide on decisions and, and squabbles and, and squats, so to speak. So God basically tells Moses in our passage today, bring the judges and I will stand before the accusation against me. Exodus 17, verse 6. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. 
This is God proving himself before the court. The people quarrel, give us water or else. You are so good and powerful, prove it. It is the same whisper we will hear much later in the story when Satan in the wilderness tempts Jesus to throw himself down to prove his divinity. The same whisper we hear, accusation of God's against God's care for us. Hear that sometimes, you know, God won't provide, you've got to do this. You know, don't trust God, He'll, Satan's always there whispering these things. Helping, well, trying to stop us believing God's care for us and his declared love for us. Will God really keep his people from death, from thirst here? Will he protect them? Will he really provide for their needs? Is he really among them? There on the rock at Horeb, the same place he revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush in the shadow of Mount Sinai, where his law will be given to Israel later, he stands on the stone table of judgment and tells Moses to strike the rock with the staff that was a symbol of God's power. And he does so. With the elders as witnesses, what happens? The verdict comes. The outcome reveals our third movement this morning. So our, our third point this morning is revealed, and it is treasure. Psalm 105, verse 41 to 42. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. That's a lot of water, isn't it? For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham, his servant. Treasure, not because the people got what they wanted, not just the water. Treasure because here is God taking on accusation, facing those that doubt him, and showing himself as the treasure they need. Where a crowd demands Moses' life holding stones, not so much in their hands but in their heart, God intervenes for Moses and says, take me. God delivered his people by submitting to his own rod of judgment, taking the judgment in Moses' place. The people demanded his provision, Denied his protection and doubted his presence. But the water flowing from the rock proved all these things. Obviously it proved that God had the power to provide. Psalm 78, 15 to 16. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers, says in the Psalms. Not only was God their provider, but he was also their protector. Instead of judging his people for their sins, especially for their unbelief, he submitted himself to judgment so they could live, so they could have the water to survive, to live. Finally, the rock was proof of God's presence. The Israelites wanted to know if God was with them or not. Well, there he was, the saviour, their treasure. The rock that Moses struck with his rod was a symbol of God and his salvation. It showed how God would submit to the blow of his own justice so that out of him would flow life for his people. And you know what? This is the really exciting part. This is where the story connects to us, you and me. 
1 Corinthians 10.3, For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Jesus is the rock, the water, the treasure of God for us. This trouble and trial that they had point to the true provision of Jesus, our treasure. Follow that by the name of Philip Ricken, theologian and president of Wheaton Theological College in America, put it this way. This is what he wrote. The rock was Christ because like the rock, Christ was struck with divine judgment. This is what happened to him on the cross. Christ was bearing the curse for our sin, so God struck him with the rod of justice. The scripture says in Isaiah 53 verse 5, and I'll read that, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Philip goes on and says, The judgment that Christ received on the cross is the proof of our protection. It shows that we will not suffer eternal death for our sins. God has taken the judgment of our guilt upon himself, and now we are safe for all of eternity. That's pretty big, eh? Safe for all of eternity. Jesus is now our resting place where we go for refreshment to quench our thirst, to see beyond the trouble and trial when we experience those things. The Christian has all they need when Christ is their rock. Please take that away today. Remember that. As we come nearer to the end of the message this morning, just want to share with you a little bit more. Many generations later, from the Israelites in the desert, Jesus the Messiah came and approached a well in Samaria. You know the story. There he revealed himself to a woman attempting to quench her thirst in all the wrong places, approval of men, etc., etc. Jesus asks her for a drink. Now this is offensive back then because Jesus, a Jew, was asking a woman of Samaria for a drink and that was a big no-no across those cultures. In John 4, 10 to 15, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is, who it is, that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. You can't do it, Jesus. You can't save a wretch like me. I'm too messed up. You can't do it, Jesus. You can't restore this relationship. You can't change who I am. You can't give me water. How many times have we been that down that narrative? But he says, the water I will give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It is water I give to end thirst to give life. 
It is only Jesus we can go for this. Our idolatry, the, the worship of lesser things, however schedule demanding and alluring things might be outside of Jesus, they can't provide or quench or satisfy. There's always going to be the more. I want more. Those things we run to only use us and they leave us thirsty. But Jesus, he stands in my place and your place on the rock of judgment. He takes the blow we deserve. Water flows from his side when he is struck. Remember John 19.34 up on the cross. Water flowed from his side and through him you and I have eternal life. If you believe, if you follow Jesus... Know that he provides, he also protects, and is present with you every second, every minute of the day. It's not just a water to lower the heat of hellfire and judgment. It is a spring welling up, fueling life now with new purpose and calling, flowing from you, can I say, to others. Don't forget that. You are Christ's vessel. New wineskins. Bringing water to desert places, to parched souls, to those God has placed you around to share his love, his water, his life. I wonder this morning if God has moved you into a new place that seems a little bit barren, maybe a little bit dry. It might scare you at the moment, I don't know. It could be a new job. New relationships, new environment, new emotions, it's all there. But where is the water? And you might hear the accusation in your mind against God's provision, protection and presence. Fight against that. Remember who he is. Maybe you're here today and haven't heard too much about this Jesus person. And you find yourself trying to scratch that internal itch that just won't quit, that longing never satisfied. We've all been in that place. And I know sometimes, you know, what it's like to try and dig your own well. It's a long way down. Or how he brings the church to new places as well, where God told you to go, but it looks dry. And you know what? The only solution... The only solution for all of that is to drink of Jesus. Come to the rock, cling to his life, death and resurrection for you. Yield your life to the spirit. He has given you, give over all of yourself to his mission, his direction and purpose. Be refreshed by his grasp of you, that he will never let you go and that he is with you always and drink of nothing else. Sometimes that's pretty hard when we have these complaints and things in our mind about how things are not going where we thought they were going to be. It's not the referendum that we wanted. Is there troubles and trials, but don't forget his treasure and presence in our lives during those moments. The water from the rock is not only for Israel in the wilderness. Jesus' offer to, to the thirsty is not only for those in Jerusalem during the feast. It is for you and me today to drink, to experience, to share God in Christ is our provider and protector, our ever-present help in trouble, 
And if we remember this, we will be able to trust him without grumbling or complaining. We will go nowhere else. But what's more, we will see the glory of Christ in meeting our needs, giving us life and pouring out his grace in what were once dry places. I'm just about to put up on the screen, but if I could ask the music team to come forward, please. We're going to sing very shortly a great song, Hear Our Praises, as we remember Jesus as our treasure and our rock. But I want to put up on the screen today the deal for the day, can I say. So here's the deal for the day. And that is, we, the believer, the church, we have all that we need when Christ is our rock. We have all that we need when Christ is our rock. But the next slide is the one that I want you to keep in your mind this week and the days ahead as you do life for Jesus and follow him into all the different unknown places, some of the deserts, some of the oases, that you must keep the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Does that make sense? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus Christ, our treasure. He is with us all the time. In Christ we now live, following this rock, this living water that is Jesus. And you know what? It's headed somewhere giving us hope as we make the journey downstream as we live. And our closing prayer together today comes from the book of Revelation. I want you to stand as I share this with you, and then we'll go straight into the song, hear our praises. Oh Lord, thank you for your provision, your presence in all that we do. And may our homes be filled with dancing and joy as we acknowledge that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Revelation 22 verses 1 to 5 says this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So let us sing together.